Welcome to Declaration Life. I'm your host, Christabel Braden. I'm a survivor of traumatic brain injury and a singer-songwriter, and I just love sharing hope and joy and encouragement and life, and that's what this podcast is all about, living with intention. Today, I'm welcoming worship leader Glory O to join me for a conversation about digging deeper into living out our purpose. She is the founder of the YouTube channel, Your Worship Mentor, and we're going to be talking about how worship is so much more than music, but a lifestyle that helps us to deeply connect with identity and to discover our most authentic self. You know, this podcast is all about living an intentional life, and today we're going to be digging into authenticity and what that means. Thank you so much for tuning in, and let's go ahead and get started. So I'm not giving up. Live a declaration life. Declare your purpose. Declare your place. Declare your work. Every episode on Declaration Life, we start out with the Declaration segment. This is the time when I share a declaration that you can speak over your life to encourage your heart this week to live intentionally. Living intentionally means choosing moment by moment to be intentional about our thoughts, our actions, and how we operate in our day-to-day life. Today's declaration is... I am choosing to live authentically. Again, today's declaration, I'm choosing to live authentically. Every day we have a choice in how we live our life. And there are so many pressures that pull us in so many different directions, especially when you think about social media and comparison and that trap of comparing ourselves to others. We begin to live little by little, slowly fade into a less authentic version of ourselves. And I'm speaking here from experience. I know how the pressures of expectations, the people that We want to influence our lives, the influencers, so to say, that they're called on social media, but even those that influence our life in real life, our friends, our family, our coworkers, the people that we see around, they all have some sort of influence. And as we are pulled around all the people around us, we start to sometimes mold ourselves into what we think this person wants us to be or what we think that person wants us to be. Or if we're in a relationship that's not necessarily the most healthy, we begin to mold ourselves into what we think our boyfriend or our partner wants us to be. And we slowly fade away from being who we truly are and who we were truly created to be. When I was in the toxic relationship that I've talked about before on the podcast, uh, I think episode 14, I go into some more detail if you want to go back and listen to that, but I'm a survivor of an abusive relationship. And when I was in that relationship, I 100% lost myself. I lost the person that I was and the person that I felt like I was created to be because of the continual emotional and spiritual abuse that was happening every single day. And it was this slow fade, but I began to believe the lies that he was telling me. I began to believe that I wasn't worth it. And I began to believe that 
you know, if I only did this or if I was only like this, then I would have more value. And it's not always that extreme or that explicit. But in the two years that I've been separated from him and I've been single, I've spent the last couple of years rebuilding who I believe that God wants me to be. And I've spent the last couple of years just really digging into who am I in Christ? And what does the word of God have to say about this? And that's where the songs on the album Declaration come in. That's also where the message behind this podcast comes in because I've lived through losing the authenticity of who I am and who God created me to be. We were all created with a purpose and we were all created with the abilities and the gifts and the talents that God has given us. And we cannot allow anybody to pull us away from that authentic version of ourselves. It may not be as extreme as an abusive relationship or a trauma or trauma experience, but it's often the little things that can cause the most damage. It's the day by day scrolling on Instagram, seeing all these girls that you wish that you looked like and wearing outfits that you wish that you felt confident enough to wear and you compare yourselves to them, seeing people with more followers or likes or whatever it is that you envy in other people. By doing that, we somehow begin to take away from, we, we slowly chip away from the person that we were created to be because I'm not meant to be a copy of somebody else. You are not meant to be a copy of anybody else. We have to guard our thoughts and we have to guard our minds and we have to guard it in the word of God because when we're not declaring truth and declaring life, we begin to uh, slowly fade and we accept lies as truth. The lies that we're not good enough, the lies that we don't have value, the lies that the negative thought patterns and whatever lie that you're battling, and it begins to chip away of who we were created to be. So this, this thought on authenticity just keeps pushing me and pulling me and reminding me, I do not have to be what anybody else thinks that I have to be. I don't have to do what other people expect me to do if it's not resonating authentically in my soul and in my spirit. If you're a believer in Christ, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. That means that the spirit of the living God lives deep inside of you. You have value and purpose. Your opportunity in this life to be the temple of the Holy Spirit, to be a vessel of the presence of God is so much bigger than anything. Your purpose is bigger than what anybody can see. Each one of our purpose is part of this beautiful tapestry that God is weaving together. And we cannot allow anyone to take away from the uniqueness of our place in this world. God created you purposefully. The same God that created the heavens and the earth created you. 
You have value. You have purpose. You can live an authentic life that's true to who God created you to be. And you can step into that purpose by living an authentic life and living the way that God calls us to live. On today's episode, we're going to be talking in this conversation with Glory O about worship and the relationship between a lifestyle of worship and a lifestyle of authenticity and how worship collides with our life and our day-to-day life. And so in this conversation, I hope that it encourages you to dig deeper into what authenticity means to you, because it's not going to be the same thing as how it is to me. Me living my authentic life is going to look different than you living your authentic life, than Gloria living her authentic life, than anybody that you encounter, anybody that you look up to, you know, all of our authenticity looks different because that is the key of authenticity. So stand firm in who you were created to be. Stand firm in knowing that you have a place in this world and your authentic self can make a bigger difference than anybody would ever be able to to do by being a copy of anybody else. Your authentic self has a place in this world. Hold fast to that. Hold fast to the truth and know that you have purpose. So declare with me this week to live that authentic life and step into who God's called you to be. It is a process. It's not like overnight you're going to be like, oh, I have this purpose and this is what I'm doing. And it's a moment by moment thing. So you are valued, you are loved, and let's go ahead and move into the interview. Thank you so much for listening. Today, I'm so excited to welcome Glory O to the podcast. Hi, Glory. Welcome. Hello. Hi, Christabel. It's really good to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming. So I actually connected with her on a Facebook group that we're both a part of, a worship Mm -hmm. group. And she shared one of her videos from her YouTube channel about authenticity in worship. I clicked on it. I watched it. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is so good. Your video is so unlike so many of the other worship videos I've seen. And so Mm -hmm. I had to invite you to come on Declaration Life. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me again. It's really an honor to be here. When I started my YouTube channel, I wanted to, the worship group that we're a part of is a women's worship group. So women in ministry and women in worship. And that's something that I saw that was kind of lacking in the YouTube space. I see a lot of like big channels that are men talking about worship. Um, And there's a lot of like tech and a lot of the other stuff that goes on with worship. But I really wanted to add my voice to the conversation and talk about things that I think are important, not just for women, but for anyone who's leading worship, that it's about more than just, you know, what you do, your musical ability, your singing ability, but it's also about your heart and how you're living your life on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And that's the part that really connected with me because that's what we talk about on the podcast. And I really Mm -hmm. loved how you broke it down, that there are so many more important things to worship than music. Yeah. I feel like that's been a theme for me personally in my history with worship leading in my history of being a part of different churches and different ministries of finding out 
that there is a lot more to it than just what you can do um, skill wise than just how you sing or than just how you play your instrument. But what does your heart actually look like? And and how is that related to how you lead? You know, not just in the sense of how you lead playing and singing on stage, but how do you lead your team and how do you help to facilitate and pastor the hearts of your team as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as a musician and a singer songwriter myself, it, it wasn't until I think sometime in the middle of college that I really began to understand the difference between performance and leading worship. Mm -hmm. It was something that I just hadn't thought a long time about until I was leading worship every week and I was doing concerts at the same time Mm -hmm. on the weekends. And I'd be like, hold on. I would realize, and God was starting to show me that I couldn't allow the performance side to bleed into the worship because leading worship is a totally different experience than singing songs about that I wrote about my life and my testimony. Mm -hmm. There's still songs that honor God, but it's a totally different thing. Right. Right. Cause I think with, um, with performance, there's an element of connection with the people that you're in front of. So you are giving your songs, you're giving, you know, of your personality and you're letting that be seen. So there's a point of connection with the people that you're performing in front of. But then with leading worship, there's still the awareness of the people that you're in front of, but it's more so about a point of connection with God Mm. and, you know, being seen by him and connecting with him and having him know you, you know, rather than you're connecting with the people in front of you. And with worship leading, there is there is an importance to considering those people who are in front of you, who you are leading. But I think the the emphasis needs to be more on that you are leading them and not that you are performing or worshiping for or in front of them. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, uh, and that's something that I've just explored a bit too is, this idea that you're a worship leader, it doesn't just mean that you're the best singer or you're the best musician or, you know, all of the things that kind of come to mind when people think of a worship leader. It It's, there is a leadership. I think the emphasis is more on leader and that you're leading the people of your church or of your small group or whatever the area is that you're leading worship in. And that that actually carries responsibility you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So not everyone listening is going to be a musician or a worship leader or a singer or anything like that. I mean, there are definitely people Uh listening that probably are, but for those who go to church and worship and who worship in their daily lives, how does worship play into our everyday lives as believers? Yeah, that's a that's a really great question. I think just in thinking about that, whenever I and this is kind of a method I take with my YouTube channel as well, whenever I want to talk about a topic or answer a question that I think somebody might have, I always start with a definition, you know? So when we say like how does worship 
play into our everyday lives if you know we're not singers or we're not musicians like what does worship look like I'm like okay how do we define worship you know and I think there are a couple of different ways to define it but whenever I'm like what does this actually mean I'm like okay I'm gonna look at the Bible I'm gonna look at what did Jesus say about this you know and where Jesus is talking to the woman at the well he says that the father is seeking people who will worship him in spirit and in truth so I think there's also some parts there of okay well what does spirit mean what does truth mean but if we consider that definition um then I think we would consider then what does that look like for me in my everyday life you know that's that's just kind of the thought process that I take when I'm thinking through these things so I think for us in our everyday lives I think worship is a response. So we're responding to God and what he's done for us, how he is for us, is with us, you know, all of those things we're, we're responding to God, right? So if in our everyday lives, we are, say someone is a teacher or someone is an engineer, you know, whatever it is that this person is doing, if they consider who God is in their life, who God has been in their life, regardless of what it is their uh, occupation is or what it is they do, then there's always an opportunity for a response to who God is. There's always an opportunity for a response to God's goodness. And I think we think that it has to look like music and we think that it has to look like singing because that's the way it's looked in church for so long. But there's also just responding to God and responding to his goodness, responding to who he is, can look like sitting in silence and sitting in awe of who God is. It can look like writing poetry. It can look like, you know... um, math problems and that sounds kind of you know kind of crazy or kind of like out there it sounds a little out there but the reality is that you know the things that we do say the mathematician will be oh you know I'm really thankful that God made me and wired me in a way that I can use my brain to help solve problems right because it's not just two plus two equals four. It's like, you know, what is this math doing? It's, it's engineering medicine. It's engineer. you know, there's all of these different aspects, right? So if that person is thinking in a way that's, I'm thankful that God gave me this, their response could be using that gift that they were given to glorify God. So whatever good and whatever, Um, you know, noble thing that comes from this gift that they're given, that's a response of worship. That's really well said. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. I hope that wasn't too like all over the place, but. No, it was perfect. I I think it's really important to think about worship as a response Mm -hmm. because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? So Mm -hmm. he created us. All of life is a response, (laughs) to God's moving. Mm -hmm. And personally, for each of us, we have opportunity to respond to not only him creating us, but also what Jesus did for us 
Our salvation is a response. Our right. praise is a response. Our lives are a response. So how are we living right. our lives? On right. Declaration Life, we talk a lot about living with intention. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the theme of the podcast. And when we choose to live our lives purposefully, Mm-hmm. Every day, every moment, not saying you can't relax or have any slip ups, you know, it's not like there's <laughs> right. grace in, in the in the process. But when we choose to live our lives mindful of God mm-hmm. and of what he's done for us and with gratefulness, that's worship. Right. Right. This response, this awareness of God's goodness. Yeah, Absolutely. And often it can express itself in creative ways, such as music or art, painting, you know, different creativity. But I really like how you brought up simply doing what God's called you to do. Like you use the example of the mathematician, like using the abilities and the gifts and the talents that God's created within you uniquely Mm -hmm. and living out that purpose that he's given in your life. That's worship. Right. Right. And I would love if more people had an awareness of that expansiveness, because I think it can be easy to fall into thinking, well, I'm just doing this. It's not that big of a deal. Like I'm not the worship leader or I'm not the pastor or, I, you know, and thinking if they're not in these roles, you know, I'm not in this like quote unquote biblical role. So how do I fit into doing something that's glorifying God. And yeah, if you have that view of, you know, there's more to, to glorifying God and there's more of a way that you can respond to God's goodness, to the gifts, to the, to the talents that he's put in you, then, you know, if we had that awareness, it could change so much, you know, cause I think, I think sometimes people do end up in, these roles thinking that that's what it looks like to glorify God, you know, Mm. like this is the only way that I can do something that's worthy, quote unquote, you know? Yeah. Or, or being in the roles and then not pulling that into other parts of your life. Right. Yeah. Which is a whole other issue, but (laughs) right. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I can't say I'm not guilty of that too. You know, being a yeah. worship leader, being a singer-songwriter, like, there's a responsibility. Even <clears throat> even with this podcast, there's a responsibility in sharing the Word of God and mm-hmm. leading others in worship and, you know. Yeah. And we don't always think about what worship looks like outside of that. I've dealt with feelings of guilt of being like, oh, like, I haven't played my guitar and sang to God all week long. Yeah. And then I feel guilty because I feel like I haven't been worshiping, but working on this podcast is a form of worship, you know? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Being who God's called me to be is a form of worship and we can't be so hard on ourselves. And I like I like the term you use, the expansiveness of mm-hmm. understanding what worship is. Mm-hmm. That's a good term. Yeah, I I think of that phrase whenever I think about God. Like I I grew up in church um, and you know, have all the Bible verses and all of the things, you know, the memory verses rather. And I think some, sometimes there's a tendency to, f- to feel like you have it all figured out 
or to feel like because you know every Bible verse or because you've read the Bible, you know, front to back, you know, you know everything. You know what I mean? Or, you know, like if it feels like <laughs> I know it, this, I know what you mean. Knowledge, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's like, well, I mean, I've read that. Like, I know what happens there. <laughs> right. But then to think that, like, God is massive and, you know, he's just so much bigger than what we're capable of grasping. Like that, mm. I think, just inspires me to to one, to keep going and to keep pursuing things, to keep trying things. Um, but two, to consider that if God is that big, if he is that multifaceted and we are made in his image, then how much more is there to, to us, to our existence that yeah. we can discover in him that we haven't even considered before you know yeah I think I know at least I fall into patterns of living by assumption Mm. so I assume things about myself or about others or about God or about the word of God Mm -hmm. and he's trying to take it steeper for example I never thought I would be able to go back to to school or to Mm -hmm. go to graduate level classes because of my traumatic brain injury like I always Mm -hmm. felt limited And when I knew God was calling me to go to seminary, I questioned. I was like, really? I can't do that. I have a brain injury. Like, this is going to be really hard for me. And I started out on faith, and he's been really showing me that I'm capable of more than I thought. Yeah. Like, the writing assignments are fun for me. (laughs) Like, I'm enjoying it. And... That's something that I never thought that I could do. And so I think you're absolutely right that we can't put limitations on ourselves because God is limitless. And like you said, we're made in his image. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're made in his image. We're living in him, you know, and we get to access that that expansiveness that's Mm -hmm. in him when we consider, like in your case, going to seminary if you considered that God is calling you to this and he is going to enable you to do it. So even where you feel like you're limited or where you feel like you end, it's actually know that there's, there's more because you're in him, you know? Yeah. And I think also not only does worship help us understand like his expansiveness, but it also puts us in our place in the sense of not making assumptions like what we were saying earlier about how like if you're raised in the church or you've, you know, grown up around religion, so to say, you you mm-hmm. might think that you understand things better. But mm-hmm. when we worship God, we're reminded how big he is and how small we are. Right. And we're reminded of our need to depend on him and of how much we don't know. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And just going back to that idea of worship being a response in the Bible and all of these different instances, you know, where Peter's in the boat and Jesus tells him to cast his net on the other side and he pulls in all these fish and he, that's a moment of him falling down in worship in response to what Jesus did. And just like he had known Jesus. Right. And that moment blew his mind, so to speak, you know, like, 
It was him worshiping in response and also being made aware of how little he knew Jesus. And I think that's, that's true for us too. Like we, we go through life and we, we learn these things and we, we think we have like this understanding and we do to some extent have an understanding, but, but there are these moments where we're worshiping and we become aware, like you said, like we become aware of just like, wow, there's so much more to you. There's so much more than I knew even just seeing the ways that God provides or comes through in a certain moment, you know, that put us, like you said, kind of put us in our place of, whoa, (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So going along with that, how does worship help us with knowing our identity? So like I said, yeah, worship is, is a response and also a point of connection. And I, I think that when we are connected with the father and we're connected with the one who made us, like how much access does that give us to learning who we truly were created to be? You know, it's like, in a sense, we're going like back to the drawing board of who we are. I believe God creates us. We're born into the world and, you know, we live in this world and there's all kinds of things that happen. We experience trauma physically and, you know, emotionally we experience, you know, all kinds of things that have an effect on how we live and how we are in the world. But I think at the core of each of us, we still have that true identity. We still have, this is the person that God created me to be. So if we're connecting with the father whether that's through musical worship or you know other forms of worship like we've talked about then we are able to have a more accurate picture of who he's made us to be so we're able to better see the blueprint the plan the person that god created us to be because of that connection you know i really like the way you said that thank you Through worship, we're able to have a better understanding of who we were created to be. Yeah. And I think that that's an element that a lot of the, you know, like the self-help people on Instagram. Uh Uh-huh. We know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So like people who post quotes, which I post quotes all the time. I'm not (laughs) saying like you don't post quotes, but (laughs) there are a lot of accounts, even like some Christian like influencers, if you call it that. Mm-hmm. They talk a lot about identity in Christ, but not a lot about worship, mm. not a lot about praising God and the word of God. We're directed to praise him throughout the New Testament, throughout the epistles. Worship is central mm-hmm. to the early church. Worship and praise is central to the life of the believer mm-hmm. because that's what we were created to do. And in the Old Testament, in, in Israel and throughout the prophets, worship and praise of God is, is key to having right understanding of him. And as the Israelites would often fall into idol worship mm-hmm. and they would go and worship false gods and go away from him. I think that we can learn a lot from the stories of the Bible and the examples that we see and apply that to our lives because 
in today's day and age, worship is not necessarily something that's really thought about, even through churches and Christian circles. Mm-hmm. They say, come to church for worship. Yeah. Not right. that that's not important. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. it is important to worship corporately, but how does worship play into our daily lives and how can we truly live a lifestyle of worship? Right. Yeah. And I think a hundred percent, it goes back to kind of like your goal with this podcast is living with intention and being intentional and being aware and conscious of the choices that we're making and the things that we're doing and also having that awareness that it's bigger than just music, you know, like it's not just Sunday morning, this part of the service that's worship. And then the rest of it is the message and, you know, like putting those hard lines on what is, what is worship actually, you know, but, but -hmm. being more aware of what it is and having that understanding that, Oh, if, if it can spill over into other parts of my life, if, if these other things that I'm doing, I can be aware of God in this and I, that can be a part of worship, what worshiping God looks like in my life, then it makes sense that, that we are, that we are worshiping in the same way that we, we see in, in the old Testament and in it's out of that awareness of who God is, you know? I like that awareness of who God is. One of the biggest struggles to living our life the way that we're called to live and is having right understanding of who God is. Mm -hmm. We're in right relationship with the Father through Christ. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Mm -hmm. And we can be in right relationship with God because of Christ's death and resurrection and our faith in him. You know, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead, um, we'll be saved. I really butchered that uh, paraphrase of Romans 10. But but when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, our salvation is intact. We have right relationship with the Father. But the enemy is coming in and trying to get us to misunderstand our relationship with the Father. Mm. And I think you brought up a good point, like through things in our life, through trauma, through struggles, through these things, our relationship with the Father remains intact, but our understanding of it gets chipped away mm-hmm. and not in a good way. And we become, we start to question if God is even good. And we start to question, how could a loving God allow this to happen in my life? And we start to, our pride starts to build up mm-hmm. and we start to question and it's not like it's it's okay to question God. It's 100% okay to question God. He's big enough to handle all of our questions. Right. But at the same time, we have to be aware of how we are thinking about God. Mm-hmm. And that's where being in the word, worship, theology comes in, having right understanding mm-hmm. of who our father is. Right. He's a good father. He loves us. He died for us. We can't allow our circumstances to change our understanding of the character of God. Mm-hmm. And worship is a huge part of remaining connected to the Holy Spirit. 
and remaining in right understanding of how great God is, praising him. We we have to praise him. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're when we don't praise God, I, I, I'm speaking from experience here. Uh-huh. <laughs> if you have a season of life where you're going through what you might call desert season or whatever, and you stop praising God, you begin to be built up in your own life. And, and, and slowly it's like I'm inching away from having Jesus be Lord of my life and I'm taking control and I start taking the reins. And, you know, he's gracious. He always brings me back and reminds me that he's in control and I have to surrender to him. But it's like this process of repentance and surrender that's it's continual in the life of a believer. But worship, I think, is a huge part of understanding right relationship with the Father Mm -hmm. and having a good understanding of who God is, a correct understanding, let me say, a correct understanding of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. We have to let ourselves be humbled. Because, I mean, we're all, we're all prideful by nature. Yeah. And worship is a part of letting ourselves be humbled before the Father and allowing Him to be bigger than us. Yeah. Which He is, but it's how we perceive it in our hearts. Yeah, for sure. For sure making ourselves aware of what, like we're making that choice. We're making an intentional choice to put things in the right perspective. Humility is, I think, a very important thing to talk about when it comes to worship, when it comes to worship leading, because that's who my audience is on YouTube, I'm speaking usually to the worship leader. Um, And when I did that video on authenticity that you saw, I was working on a video on humility. That was my plan for that week. (laughs) And I just couldn't get it right. Like I don't, I think still, I'm still, it's kind of in my drafts, so to speak. I don't, have all of the words or the way to, I don't quite have the ability to articulate it just yet, but I so agree. Humility is huge, is so important when it comes to, to putting ourselves into perspective of who is God, who are we, you know? And I think just like we've been saying, that's a huge part of worship. Yeah. And it's, it's directly related to the authenticity piece. Mm-hmm. So can we go into the authenticity for a little bit? Cause that is the video that I first saw from you yeah. that made me go, <laughs> I gotta have her on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So what does authenticity in worship look like? What does that mean? So authenticity. So when I, when I thought of that video and I was kind of thinking, how am I going to approach this? How am I going to put this into the right words. I, like in the video, brought up Brene Brown's book, The Gifts of Imperfection, and um, just looked at that definition of authenticity. And her definition is that authenticity is letting go of who we're supposed to be in order to embrace who we are. So when you look at that definition, and why I think this is so important in worship, 
you realize that there's a letting go in order to receive. And I think it's the same thing when we're worshiping, when we're humbling ourselves before God, that we are letting go of this, this thought of who we are, this thought of, you know, where we stand in the world, where we stand in, you know, spiritually, where, where do we see ourselves? Like we have to let go of that idea in order to have space and to like open your hands to receive who we really are. So I think in worship, it's so important because, because we, we reflect God as well. I think it, so in the realm, let me start over. So as worship leaders, I think that authenticity is important because we need to be true to the voice that we were given when we are singing or when we're writing songs even. So you're a songwriter, like in writing songs, there's something about being true to your voice and your experience and letting that come out in your songs, right? So I think that authenticity is important in worship as a whole because each of us is a reflection of God in our own way. And I, I 100% believe we're made in God's image and that there is some facet of the heart of God that each person is able to display, but only that person. Like, I think that he really does make us uniquely and that we carry the image of God in a unique way. And when we are not being authentic with our expressions of worship, with, you know, how we live our lives in the day to day, then we're not letting the world see God in the way that he intended us to display him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's really good. That's really good because it's not only about how we worship, but like you, you just said, it's about how we live. Right. I think just also in addition to that, this is, this is kind of maybe a kind of a funny thing that I think about sometimes that that just imagining what the world would look like if certain people had hadn't been authentic in their artistic expressions or just in their expressions of themselves. So like for for example, I think I read I read this in a book, but I can't remember which book right now, but it was something along the lines of like, what if Michael Jackson had worked as a manager as a manager at Applebee's and he just decided that that was what he wanted to do with his life? Like, what if he just decided to put all of the music stuff away and to just like, this is what I want to do. Forget dancing, forget singing. Like, you know, think about how how the world would be different if you know his music was never experienced or people had never seen somebody perform the way that he performed you know like I don't know if that's kind of a silly example but no that's a great example that's great like yeah yeah because of the influence right that it had on the whole world right and that that unique expression of music that influenced other expressions of music and you know like those things that wouldn't have been seen if he didn't choose to step into the musical talent and ability that he had 
which mm-hmm. I believe was a gift from God, you know, that's, it was something that not a lot of people can do. And he stepped into that and, and lived that and did that. And so we've seen, wow, like this is incredible, but I think some of us can look and see, okay, this is a God thing that, you know, someone is capable of, of performing like that or of singing like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but at the same time, when it comes to ourselves, I think that we don't view ourselves that way. What are some things that you think limit us from expressing ourselves authentically or being that authentic version of ourselves and taking those risks of doing what we're called to do? Yeah, I think fear is a huge one. And I think everybody grapples with that at some point. I know I do. I have fear of what are people going to think or is this going to be good enough or, you know, and I'm sure you've probably experienced that too as a songwriter and, you know, musician, just kind of struggling with that idea of, of is this enough or does this sound right or are people going to like it, you know? And I think that's a huge limiter in, I think that's a huge challenge when people are trying to decide to be authentic and to to live out of who they really are you know the fear of being rejected or being misunderstood yeah or of being different yeah absolutely that's that's a really big one being different i think especially in a space like like for worship leaders where there are all these huge examples. You think of like Brooke Frazier and you think of like Bethel worship and you think of, you know, like Tasha Cobbs and all of these like really incredible singers and musicians and people in the space of worship. And if your voice or your expression doesn't sound like theirs or doesn't sound like anything you've heard, then there's a tendency to think this is, not good. I actually can't sing. I actually, you know, and to just leave it there. But, Mm. but there is something so valuable in everyone's voice, you know, whether that's singing, whether it's speaking, whatever the, that person's expression looks like, there's something valuable in it. Yeah. I think on the other side of that too, instead of thinking, oh, I sound different, maybe it's not good, but we actually actively try to copy others, mm-hmm. especially like social media and stuff. It's like we're not meant to be a copy of someone else. But when right. it comes to even worship, a style of music doesn't make worship. And maybe you're missing out or I'm missing out on the style or the unique form of expression that God's given us in worship or art or in our lives or in our purpose because we think it should look like a certain way. Right. Yeah. And, and that's what it looks like to be inauthentic is to mold and form yourself into sounding a certain way or singing a certain way or having a certain personality on stage that is not actually true to you and who you are. And I think that sometimes that works. You know what I mean? Like in a sense, like it's like, okay, you sang the song like this person and it sounded great. Like that works and people entered into worship and it's fine. But 
like how much more is there for you to be fully who you are you know like how much more is there for you to experience and how much more is there for other people to experience by seeing you walk in the fullness of who you are I believe there's freedom in that in seeing somebody being totally free being totally authentic even if it doesn't look or sound perfect yeah I think that's a really good point it's so good because yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. The definition of inauthentic is trying to be like somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us subconsciously fall into that. Oh yeah. Because of what we, you know, if you're on social media all day long, every day, mm-hmm. you're going to subconsciously be trying to copy the people you follow. Mm-hmm. It's a trap. It is. It is. <laughs> you know, especially when you see someone else's likes or their followers and you think that that's what success looks like. So if I want to be successful, then I have to be like this person. Mm-hmm. Or you fall into that whole branding trap. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> this is a side tangent, but I think it's relevant. There's a place and a time for branding, but I've talked to people who are in business that are like, Christabel, you don't have a good niche. You do too much random stuff Uh like you don't have a good niche. You're not like and yeah, I'm not making money online, but that's not my goal. Right. (laughs) But I because everything I do is so different. I have this podcast. I interview all women and we talk about living with intention and living with truth. Mm -hmm. I have music. I have a brain injury, hope after head injury, where I do videos about traumatic brain injury and I, I like to write. So like I'll post like Instagram devotional type posts that are writing or, you know, there's so much random stuff yeah. that I'll put online. And my YouTube channel is like this weird conglomeration of all of it. So <laughs> it has like some of the podcast stuff. It has some worship videos. It has some my original music. It, it holds on my my uh, music videos, mm-hmm. but it also has videos about brain injury for brain injury sur- survivors. Right. And I know from a business perspective <laughs> that I should probably have a separate channel for brain injury. Cause when people subscribe and they find me from brain injury, they might not really want to see the music or if people mm-hmm. are music, they don't want to see the brain injury stuff, but it's all me. Let like, me it's listen, all me. Right. So. <laughs> and let me be a cautionary tale to you. Cause I probably have about five different YouTube channels and Facebook pages that I built off of like, Oh, I need to keep this about, this and I need to keep that about worship and I need to keep this about my vlog and it is too much and it is exhausting so (laughs) yeah I mean it's not like I don't have separate things like I have separate Instagram accounts for the brain injury for the podcast and for like myself my own my page yeah but it's like but I love that you going after like just sharing all of you on your YouTube channel, like all of these different <laughs> niches, but they're all valid parts of who you are and the message that you're putting out into the world, you know? Yeah. Thank you. Like even it. my like main Instagram page it, and Facebook page, like technically it's my music page, but very little of the posts have to do with my songs. Uh-huh. Um, and so I think that there's strength in being who you are and not allowing social media branding business people to tell you how to be mm-hmm. not allowing you know what you see from others if it's important to you and if you're passionate about it there's there's nothing wrong with expressing that authentically mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah so 
what does a lifestyle of authenticity, worship, responding to God, how does all that play together in the life in our in our lives? What what can we do to work towards that? Maybe some practical steps, maybe some emotional things. Yeah, um, I I've I've been realizing this more and more, and just all of these things, living with intention, being more authentic, you know, worshiping, all of it is a practice. It's something that I've been realizing it's, it's not something that's like one and done, you know, especially with authenticity. Um, it's not just that, okay, I'm going to choose to be authentic and then I'm good to go. Like, <laughs> you know, it, but it's a practice and it's, it's a choice and it's something that you choose every day. So I just actually want to share a little story of just my own experience with this recently. So I've been, you know, we've all been uh, in the wake of all of the coronavirus things and quarantining and not seeing people at close range and things like that. And I, I saw a friend the other day and, you know, I really was like just being cautious. Like I want to keep my distance, want to wear my mask. And, um, I, you know, we sat down and he had eaten and I was going to eat. And so we sat down, we sit down at this table. And so I take my mask off and I'm going to eat my, my lunch. And he comes and sits like directly across from me. So like clearly not <laughs> at the six feet recommended range. And, um, I just, like I sat there for like a, a second and then I thought, you know, maybe I should ask him if he'll move, you know, and just kind of having that little back and forth in my own brain. Right. And then I finally, you know, had the guts after a couple of, it was probably 15 seconds and all in my brain, but you know, those things feel like, you know, eternity <laughs> sometimes, but it was like, okay, Hey, I'm sorry about this, but could you maybe like take that seat like at the other end of the table and we can, you know, kind of keep the distance. And then, and I said that, and then I was like, no, like, I'm not sorry. I just wanted to be honest about that. And, and I think sometimes that's what authenticity looks like. It's that practice of making the choice when things are not comfortable necessarily. Like it made a little bit of an awkward moment, but this is someone I've been friends with for years. So I wasn't, I wasn't too afraid of making it a little bit awkward because I knew it would the awkwardness for last for 10 seconds, you know? So it, I think that's what it looks like. Sometimes we choose to keep things. I, I think we have a tendency to choose to keep things socially comfortable rather than to be authentic. And it's, it's the practice of sometimes leaning into the awkwardness sometimes leaning into the uncomfortableness to choose to be authentic and to choose to, you know, say things or, or do things the way that, that they, they might need to be said, you know? So that's just kind of a, a little bit of a silly example, but I think the idea stands that, that in being authentic, it's a practice and it's, it's making those choices. It's making those decisions every day. And I think that when we choose that in our social lives, it can be a little bit of awkwardness. When we choose that in our um, in our lives of worship, it's it can look like how how am I how am I expressing myself as me? Like, what are the things, the gifts, the things that God's placed in me, and how how can I 
use those? How can I be intentional about using those gifts and using those things to worship God? That's great. Yeah. I think that's a great example. I don't think it's silly at all. It really caused me to think here. And I was like, that's such a good point. Mm -hmm. How many times are we not completely honest because we are afraid? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a time and a place doesn't mean to be honest so much that you're rude. Right. (laughs) You know, use a discretion or use God's, you know, use um, discernment. Use discernment. Uh Uh-huh. And depending on the situation, but like something like your personal space or (laughs) something like that really affects you. Mm -hmm. It's so important to be honest in these situations. And I think you're you you made a really good point that authenticity is about putting it into practice Mm -hmm. so that when push comes to shove, you can really know who you are. Mm -hmm. Not be afraid to stand up for what you believe in. Even when things are uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And the more we practice these things, the more easily they come out of us, you know? Yeah. And and it won't even be a second thought at a different time that this might be a little bit uncomfortable or this might be a little bit, you know, but like you said, standing up for what you believe in. Because I think there, I mean, like that was kind of a silly example, but there are instances where, you know, your opinion about something may be, Like, this is what I believe. Like, this is what I believe that God says. This is what, you know, this is the place that I believe God's leading me in my life even. And it might look silly to other people and they might not understand it. But if you're practicing authenticity and you're Mm -hmm. practicing being true to the person that God created you to be, being true to your identity, then it's, it'll become, they'll become less and less there will be less and less resistance when it comes time to make the choices that might be seemingly awkward or might look crazy or look, you know, just, um, just look like this doesn't make a lot of sense. But if you're following where you feel God is leading you and you're being authentic to that and you're being, if you're being true to that, then you're going to make that decision to to move and to walk in the direction that God's leading you. Absolutely. I could not agree more. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> it is it is a matter of, you know, I think I don't remember which Bible verse this is, but I think it might have been Paul that wrote, "We work out our salvation in fear and trembling." Mm-hmm. That yes, there is a moment that we're saved, but every day we're working out our salvation. We're mm-hmm. practicing. Yeah. And we're growing and we are putting energy into living for Christ and daily taking up our cross and following him and spending time in the word and spending time in worship and self-discovery. Who am I? Who does God say that I am? Mm -hmm. What are my talents and gifts? What has God given me to reflect him to the world? Mm -hmm. Who has he called me to be? Is there a season that is ending that he's calling me in a different direction? Mm -hmm. Can I discern that? Can I be authentic in stepping out of my comfort zone into a new direction? Mm -hmm. It's all a matter of practicing and working it out. And it's a process. It really is a process. It's not a once and done thing. It's not like you wake up and you're authentic. Mm -hmm. It takes time. Right. 
Right. And I think too, this might be a little bit of a tangent, but I think about this and I think it's relevant. So I think about Jesus and his life on earth, right? The Bible, it gives us Jesus was born and then he was 12 and in the temple and then he's 30 and starting his ministry. And there's that huge gap of just, I mean, really pretty much the whole 30 years or 30 some years of Jesus's life. And it's like, we don't really know what happened there. But I think when I think about this, I, I wonder, and I, this is kind of like my conversation with God. I wonder about this is I wonder if Jesus was practicing authenticity. I wonder if Jesus was practicing obedience to the father. I wonder if Jesus was practicing, you know, living out of his identity as the son of God. You know what I mean? Because we, we don't get to see that part, but, but Jesus did live a whole 30 years. Like if it was, you know, well, he just had to come and die and save us. And that was the whole point. Like, like then why did it, why did he have to live for 30 years? Like, I think that there's something really to consider when we think that Jesus lived his life on earth. And and I, I do wonder, like, was that time that's, that Jesus had spent practicing, listening to the voice of God, obeying his voice, so that when he got to the end of his ministry, when he got to the cross, it was the difficult decision and the difficult thing to press into, but it was the thing that, that he did because he already had been practicing following the voice of God. He already knew, you know, that was where he was going. He knew that was the point, but, you know, making that decision, was that part of a result of him having practiced hearing God's voice, having practiced obeying the father when it was difficult, you know? Yeah. That's a really good point. Just things I think about sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I really like that. I think it's definitely relevant and, you know, we can learn so much from from Christ mm-hmm. <laughs> and from the Gospels and from his example to us. Yeah. Because he's really the definition of living an authentic life. Mm-hmm. He's, he's our example. Right. Is there anything else that I haven't asked you that you want to share? Like any last words of encouragement? Yeah, I think just something that I would encourage people with is to make that choice to be authentic. And this is also, I have a video I'm planning that I'm talking about this too, but, but to understand and to give yourself grace too, that when you are making a choice to be authentic, when you are practicing, whenever you practice anything, you're guaranteed to fail. That's really good. (laughs) So that doesn't sound like encouragement, but you're guaranteed to fail. So when you do give yourself grace and understand, okay, I, you know, made a mistake, but I'm going to get back up and I'm going to try again and I'm going to get better every time, you know? Yeah. And it's like the overall trend is more important than the daily details. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just making that one step at a time. Yeah. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for being on 
the podcast. I'll put your links in the description. Your YouTube channel is called Your Worship Mentor, and your Instagram is that. Any other links you'd like to share? Um, nope, just those two. Okay, sounds good. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank I really you. enjoyed our conversation, and I can't wait to share it with everyone. Me too. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I've really enjoyed it. I still believe the hope survives. There's still more story left to Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Declaration Life. Would love to connect with you on Instagram at Declaration Life or at ChristabelBraden.com slash Declaration Life. Subscribe and join for new episodes as we explore what it means to live a Declaration Life.